Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest. Today, we're diving into the world of donuts with Elizabeth Pooley. She is the owner of Square Donut here in Omaha. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. Okay, so let's just start off and get the obvious question out of the way, the one that you've probably answered 10,000 times over the past couple of years, but we have we, we have to lead off. There's no other place to start. <laughs> Why the square? Got to know the shape. Does it affect like the donut's consistency and texture or, or what is the what's the reason for the square? No, it affects nothing except you are getting more four more bites for your dollar. That's I, I mean, that's a pretty good reason yes, right there. Yes, that's there's no difference with flavor or consistency or anything it's just um you get four more bites <laughs> but i mean plus just from a marketing standpoint it's something that stands out not only is it the name but you see one of those donuts and you know donuts they generally look the same even ones you know glazed versus cake versus all these different types of donuts they're mostly circular when you see that square immediately it is attention grabbing Yes, it is different, which is what I like to be anyway. I always like to uh, be a little different. Um, our cake, though, is round. Right. It's a batter, so it can't hold its shape in any shape or form in the fryer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there again, I'm a walking contradiction. So we've got some square <laughs> raised and some round cake. So Well, you got to be able to offer the people both, which yes. I think is important. But yes. uh, going back to the squares, I, it's not just the shape to me that sets them apart. I think that they are just so light and fluffy and airy. They're almost kind of like a beignet almost. Like what made you gravitate towards that style of donut? Well, that I cannot take the credit for that. Um, Originally I bought from down in Alabama. My daughter went to Auburn university And in her fourth year, I went down there to move her back to Nebraska. And her friend at the time was making us breakfast before we hit the road. And he brought in these donuts, which I had to laugh because I I have an aversion to sweets. Don't like don't like a lot of sugar. Certainly do not, uh, you know, trek out anywhere to get donuts. But I tasted these donuts and I was in shock. And to put (laughs) me in shock over food is pretty hard. Um, they were so light and airy. They were so good. And I was just baffled as to how we did not know about this donut shop when we were in Auburn for four years when she was down there. And he had said, he goes, it's a quiet little shop. They don't do a lot of advertising. They're pretty small. It's just mom and pop. And uh, anyway, we were ooing and aahing over the donuts. And then we continue home to Nebraska and live our lives. Three months later, he texts me and says, hey, that donut shop is for sale. Whoa. And I kind of laughed, and I said, well, I'm not moving to Alabama. I don't do humidity. And um, he goes, okay, well, I just thought I'd let you know. A couple months went by, and then he texted me again. He goes, well, I stopped in, and I got the guy's name and number. I was like, okay, this is a sign. So I, it took me a couple more months, and I reached out, and I called the gentleman. And I said, hey, I heard your donut shop is for sale, and, you know, just tell me a little bit about everything. And he proceeded, and Still, Dan, I had really, I had no, no desire whatsoever to open a donut shop. Early mornings, sweets, just not my thing. But I kept, I just felt pulled and compelled to fly down there and just listen. So that's what I did. And, you know, nine or ten flights later, here I am sitting with a storage unit full of used equipment and a technique and a recipe. And Square Donut was born. Literally. <laughs> now, I have eaten a lot of great food in my life. I've eaten, I've had bites where I, where I feel like I've gone to that moment, like you talked about when you ate that donut, where you're just like, what is this? And how do I get more of it? I've never even had like the compulsion whatsoever to try and open my own restaurant or try and like recreate that food because I know that I can't. What was it? And I know you said it was a months long process. Yeah. What was like the the final jumping over point, like what was it that set you over the edge that made you say, you know what, this is that good of a product, I'm going to invest in it? There are two things that hit me. Um, First of all, I was already looking for another business to open. Um, I've had a few businesses in the past and was kind of in a lull. 
and wanted to take another step into something. And I was already doing a few other things on the side, and nothing was really hitting me. Nothing was, you know, just saying, hey, this is it. But in addition to that, the more I resisted this business, the more I looked at it and just really didn't want to do this hard work, right? I didn't want to be that labor-intensive. It, I just kept getting pulled, you know? For those that believe or don't believe, um, God just kept saying, Elizabeth, this isn't what you want. This isn't what you had planned. Just, just go do this. Trust me. And I really fought it. I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to work that hard. And I thought, okay, hands up, done. I'll do what you're telling me to do. And I jumped in and, and just, I don't know, Dan. I just was, I was doing it blindly. Everything I did was blindly. Getting on the plane, going down there, spending a day or two learning how to make the donuts, spending a day or two learning the glaze recipe. I was really just robotic at that point. Things were coming to me, but once I stopped fighting it, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So open up the doors, let the ideas come. And this gentleman who was selling the shop, he clearly didn't have any problem with you moving the business because you no. brought it here to Omaha as opposed to moving yourself down there. I was very clear with him. I said, you need to tell me up front um, how emotionally attached you are to this business because it's not going to look anything like what you have. I'm going to take it, I'm going to chew it up, and I'm, when I spit it out, it's going to look completely different. Are you okay? And he goes, I don't care what you do with this business. I want out. Fair. And I said, okay, fair enough. Did you have any experience in the restaurant or hospitality industry prior to purchasing this? The only experience I've had, I worked in the restaurant business for about 35 years. So I've seen the back of the house, the front of the house. I've been the customer. I've been the employee. I have, you know, worked with a lot of good and bad management. And I've seen a lot of things through those years of things that I would do differently. Not that I ever had the opportunity or wanted that management role because I knew what happened with that. But I, I would just look and observe and I would, I would, in my mind, I would change things to what I wanted them to be. And that's just kind of what I did in my mind. Um, so no formal. I've had other businesses, um, but nothing restaurant-wise on my own. Did that scare you at all? You know, that's a tough question because I don't, I, I generally don't get scared. Um, I have a lot of anxiety of, you know, am I doing the right thing? Can I do this? I question myself a lot. But scared, no. I, I, I think probably because I'm, you know, I've failed so many times at so many things that I'm not afraid of it. So the, the scare doesn't come in there, but the trepidation does, for sure. 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 Makes sure. you think about things. Okay, so you mentioned you, you end up, you make this purchase... And all of a sudden, you're in Omaha, you've got a trailer full of equipment, you've got a recipe, you've got techniques, but like, what's, you have all this, what's the next step that you, or what's the first step that you take in actually opening this business? I, once the equipment got moved into my storage unit, and I have these papers with these recipes, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I honestly regretted at that point even doing this. I questioned myself, like, what are you doing? Um, I kind of just got in a funk for a couple months and, and I know when I'm forcing something, it doesn't come to me. So I had to just give it up, let go, quit thinking about it. And all of a sudden the things started coming. Where do I want to be? What do I want to do? When do I want to open up by, um, all of that stuff. I knew when I was down in Alabama, I knew by the third or fourth visit, I walked in that morning and I knew exactly what I was going to call it. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I had visioned what the business was going to be. But coming home and saying, where am I going to go? It just started happening. Made the calls, you know, need to find a location. Um, and baby stepping it out. I didn't want to think too far ahead. Um, you have to have enough foresight to be smart. But if you think too far ahead, you're going to get, you're going to get scared. You've got to be able to pivot. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, you don't want to psych nope. yourself you out either. You don't want to psych yourself <laughs> out. So, spoon feeding myself, find the location first, you know, get that figured out. And I uh, had the name, so I had to work on my logo. Didn't know what colors I was going to use. Um, landed on pink and black and was very afraid it was going to remind people of Victoria's Secret, which I did not want. But I thought, you know what? I don't have the stripes. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I really wanted something that nobody else in Omaha had. After researching 
all the donut shops, you know, I know I needed to be different. And uh, I knew my style was going to be completely different than anybody had ever seen. It was going to be really elevated, very boutique, very high-end Gucci donuts, um, because we didn't have that. So I just wanted to be different. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to get into next is, you know, this this is such a such a crowded donut scene. There are a lot of donut shops here, and some of them are extremely well established. They've been serving the city for 50, 60 years. You kind of started to get into it a little bit there about how you were going to set yourself apart. Obviously, this, the shape of the donut is different, but, like, when you mention that boutique that – that Gucci style donut. Can you maybe go into that a little bit more? Talk about what you mean and and how you came to realize that's how you were going to be separated. Sure. Um, the the first step for me is always branding. Um, I have no marketing background. I I don't have a college education, but I have always known I have a little gift for branding. Um, so the branding to me was huge, and I get very excited about that. Um, so I really hone in on that. What colors? What's what's the? What do I want you when you walk into my shop? What do I want you to feel? And for me, the feeling and the atmosphere and the aesthetics set us all up before we take a bite of anything in any restaurant. For sure. So in order to help me, um, I needed to establish that feeling to set people up to give me a chance because there's so much competition. Um, so the branding was really important. The atmosphere. Um, the boutique style, warm, inviting, um, just very quaint. And so now I've got you in the door. I got you going, oh, this is really cute. Um, and then, boom, I want that case right in front of your face when you walk in because I want you to see we have over 44 varieties in this case. So I've got your feeling, and I've got the visual for you. I've given you the eye candy, and you take the donuts out, and you bite into them, and I've you know, they're just delicious. They speak for themselves. But I need to get you there. Um, so as far as the branding, that's I love that. Um, you know, when I started off, I started two days after COVID hit Nebraska. So whatever I had, whatever idea I had, completely trashed it. Had to pivot, um, completely create these what I called COVID boxes. I no longer could give you a choice as a customer because... The mandate at the time was saying you have to be in and out of the store in 10 minutes or less because of the time exposure. Well, how do you do that? When you got a five-year-old looking at 100, you know, 40, 50 donuts. Good luck. Um, so I had to pre-box, and I put them all up on the case. And you walked in, and you had to pick a box. You had no choices. Whatever I chose to put in there, you had to choose from, sadly. Um, but we went with it. And then after we went to single sales, and they lifted the mandates a little bit, um, I could start my creativity because before that it was, what can I do to survive? We're going to do the standards, the classics. We're not going to get crazy. And it was killing me. I mean, I'm obsessed with creativity. That was so difficult for me um, to put out a standard donut. Um, And then after that, when things loosened up, I could do what I wanted to do. And I just, I look at donuts kind of like potatoes or eggs. They're, They're really just a great canvas for doing whatever you want to them. You can make them sweet. You can make them savory. You can make them beautiful. You can make them classic. It is endless. And I go crazy looking at donuts and saying, how can I elevate this donut? I want my classics, but how do I elevate this? Like my creme brulee. How do I make that gorgeous? You know, you eat with your eyes. I know the flavor was there. I know the quality of the donut was there. But how do I make it gorgeous? And that's what I do with all my recipe development. I, I get this idea in my head, which is great. And we do recipe development for the flavor. But then I have to come in on the back end and go, okay, now where's the accessories? And really jazz that up and make it pretty. What do you think it is about the donut that just makes it such a brilliant blank canvas to do exactly what you're talking about? Well, it's, you know, like I said, potatoes, eggs, pizza dough. It starts off with such a simple classic recipe you know you have your flour and your water and your yeast um so it's it's so easy to manipulate that basic recipe and it takes in different components so well when I flavor my dough it's it's just um it takes it in and it holds it so well 
and it allows for so many different things to happen to it. It welcomes all the different flavors, all the different um, things that you want to do to it and infuse into the dough uh, that makes it really easy. So So in addition to all the different flavors that you guys have in the case, which I would encourage anyone listening to this, go in and just look at the Willy Wonka (laughs) display of just magical donuts. There's so many if you go in there. You guys do a donut of the month every month. Yes. And a couple that you've had, I just went back on Instagram and pulled like four or five just to give some examples, like a German chocolate cake, chocolate orange, pumpkin spice. And these are just a few. Where, you know, you mentioned you love creativity. You love being able to express yourself. Where do these ideas come from? As you're thinking about new donuts, like where where do you draw inspiration? Um, it's, it's a rough place living inside my head. Um, it could be, (laughs) it could be a flavor that I like a certain, just a general combination of flavor that I like. It could be something I see somewhere else in a different product. It could be a cake or a cupcake or a pancake. Um, it could be a picture I see on the wall. Uh, this one coming up that I can't disclose, but I saw a picture on the wall. I was actually at, um, Brazen head. Oh yeah. And I looked Irish up on the pub, wall yeah. and I saw this cute picture, but it was the it was the font down below. And I went, I need to make a donut. Something just it just built. What? It was crazy. I mean it just it comes literally from everywhere. I could be reading a book and something sounds cool. Uh, I could be going out to lunch with my daughter, which is what inspired the creme brulee. She loves creme brulee. How can I make her a creme brulee donut? It comes from everything. It could be something you say, and I go off of it. Um, well, now I'm going to spend the rest of this episode just trying to drop hints here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to think of a donut idea, which I should have done ahead of time, but I'm just going to try and do Inception. Yeah, and I, and the, the hard thing is there's, there's several out there I want to do, but crossing over to the application process and making it cost-effective and not so labor-intensive that's a bridge that sometimes I, I can't get to the other side. So I have to forego those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard for me because I want to see it come to fruition. And I also have two lines that I want to unroll, but COVID slowed me down on that. Um, and that might be in the next few years, but there's definitely two lines of donuts that I'm going to unroll to add to the traditionals. Oh boy! Yeah, I know, and I really wish I could say, but <laughs> no, that's okay. We won't. We won't it's make you disclose anything. Very, very we exciting. Might, we might have to make you come back on here. Yes, at that point. But yes. okay. So take me through your process, starting from ideation, starting from inspiration, and moving to execution. So, like, let's let's use the creme brulee donut for example. You get that idea, and you say, "I should make a creme brulee donut." What happens in between that thought entering your mind and a creme brulee donut being in the donut counter at Square Donut? Yeah, so um, the very first thing I do when I get an idea is I go do my research, first of all. Is it already out there? If it's out there, what does it look like? Um, because I don't I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to repeat something um, necessarily, but I go do all my research first. And then when I'm satisfied that I don't see anything out there that I like, (laughs) then first I go to the flavor profiles. You know, how am I going to make this donut actually taste like a creme brulee? What are the elements it needs to have? Um, Once I finalize the actual elements, we, in our recipe development, we put them all together first. Uh, Whether it's the the filling, whether it's the dough, whether it's the icing, um, and have we captured that true flavor? We don't want artificial flavors. We don't want anything that's not pretty close to that. So once we've mastered that, then the third process is how do we dress that up? How do we make that even better? And that's where, like the creme brulee donut, we had the filling nailed. Um, We knew how to put it. We couldn't inject the donut. It had a hole. So we had to punch down that hole and keep it as like a little bed and that's where we put our filling and just putting sugar on it wasn't enough I it just wasn't pretty so we took the torch and we started brulee all the sugar on top oh, man. till it had that nice mix of 
just that caramelization and that crack. And we, we worked a lot weeks at that to train the team. How do you brulee and how do you do it correctly? Because if you get off of the sugar, you can burn the donut. And then, of course, that wasn't good enough. So knowing the creme brulee that we eat at restaurants, it's always garnished, of course. Uh, so I garnished mine with the mint leaf, the raspberry, and the blueberry. So visually, it looks like creme brulee. The brulee itself adds to that, and you bite into it, and actually did taste like creme brulee. Oh, my gosh. That one might need to come back. Oh, yeah, that one's got to come back. We oh. have many, many, many <laughs> that requests so for good. that. Yes. Uh, so it would be, I'm sure, a question you get all the time. What, what's your favorite donut? Like, you're probably tired of answering that. So I'm going yeah. to switch it up a little bit. What donut are you most proud of? When you think of, like, this one was it just turned out so much better than I thought, or maybe it required so much work, but when we finally got there, it was perfect. Like, I'm sure there are one or two that pop to the front of your mind. What are they? I'm glad you didn't ask that question because I I hate to admit this, but like I said, I don't really eat donuts, Uh Um, but I have to taste them. I have to do all the taste flavor profiles. So I love your new question. Um, I would say that the two I am personally most proud of is visually was the creme brulee, and our s'more donut when we first that first year we opened that didn't get a lot of love because nobody knew about us. That s'more donut was gorgeous. Um, we made homemade marshmallows. We made homemade pink marshmallows because of square donut. Um, we you know we iced it in that ganache chocolate, and we made our own marshmallows. And we tucked that fluffy little marshmallow in the middle and sprinkled the graham crackers over it, and then we torched and toasted the marshmallow Johnny on the spot and they were just beautiful and they tasted amazing um so I was really proud of that I thought that was neat yeah I love hosting a food podcast but usually there are one or two times every episode where I really regret it because I hear about great (laughs) food and I can't like have it in front of me and eat it this is one of those moments a s'mores donut like the way you're describing it just That sounds like heaven. It was. Oh, boy. Uh, Okay. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender. It was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling 1-800-414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. I'm, I'm back on track. <laughs> what is the weirdest or wackiest idea that you've had for a donut, whether it ended up being something that you sold or you kind of started along the, the creation process and you're like, well, maybe this isn't going to work. But the, what's like the wildest one that you at least tried? That's a good question. Um, the wackiest donut. Um, I'm trying to think of the failed ones that never made it to the case. We haven't really 86 anything. We've, we've generally worked with it. I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to. I keep going back to that creme brulee and s'more only because they were the most difficult. Yeah. And they were the most amazing. Like, they were incredible, incredible donuts, but they made it to the case. There were a couple times on the s'more donut I was just going to, you know, 86 that whole idea. It was very, very hard. Um, but wackiest, I don't. I don't really know. That's a good question. I don't really, I can't recall any wacky donuts that, okay. you know, 
Yeah. Fair enough. That's a no you're, go for me. <laughs> you're, you're batting a thousand. There's nothing wrong with that. So I, I apologize if I missed it, but I went back through your Instagram and I didn't see any examples of it, of this. Have you ever messed around with like savory flavors on donuts? So that's, we are getting into that. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you hit it right there. We are uh, hopefully going to enroll the savory line. I'm not, I really don't have a timeline for myself. Okay. COVID staffing shortages, shipping shortages have really slowed me down on that because I can't produce something if I'm not sure I'm going to get the ingredients. So I'm kind of waiting for, you know, the the whole environment, the whole economic environment to settle down a little bit. And then I would love to, I've got well over 20 or 30 savory recipes I want to do. All right. And I really, really want to get to that because I'm a savory girl. Uh-huh. And so am I. that's going to be the donut I eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Okay. Yeah. That, that is very exciting. Yeah. Okay, that gives us something to look forward yes. to. So, the I feel like the donut landscape, and I think this goes back to a lot of what you were saying earlier and that the donut is just such a blank canvas. The donut landscape overall has just – it's changed so much over the last couple of years. You know, now we've got cronuts and alcohol infused donuts and donut sandwiches and donut burgers. And you, and you guys have, like we talked about, you've done like the creme brulee, you've done galaxy donuts, you've gone into that and dabbled a little bit. What do you think is behind like the trendy donut craze? I think first and foremost, it's probably a more cost-effective product. Um, when families are on a budget, it's, it's on a smaller scale where you, you have the option of going in and just getting one donut. You're not committing to, you know, where a fancy dinner where you're spending, you know, $200. It's, it's a, it's a cost effective treat. First of all, um, I personally think more people like sweets than not. So, um, they're definitely they definitely gravitate towards the sweets. It's very um, I don't know. It kind of helps your moods. I think it's a pick me up. Um, it is considered a treat. So when you feel good and you want to treat yourself, there's that validation that hey, I'm going to get a donut. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all of those things. Uh, and I I don't know. I can't speak for the whole industry, but a majority of the industry has moved to frozen products. And rightly so. It's a very labor-intensive business. It really is. Um, and I don't fault them for that. Um, but the scratch, whether it's the donut industry, the restaurant industry, um, the baker, the other bakery industries, that scratch has come back, and it's popular now. Because I think as a society, we realize the importance of scratch, you know, ingredients and, and handmade. And we value that now where we, I think we went through a period in our society where everything did need to be produced, production, production. Let's just get the, let's go after that dollar. Let's get the sales. But we've really elevated back to the basics. I think Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that I can compare to like my grandparents, you know, when we, when we wanted something sweet, uh, we went out to the garden and got blueberries and raspberries and then we took the cream off the top of the milk that we milked from the cows and poured it on the fruit you went out and for lack of a better term foraged your meals i think there's been a a comeback on that i think people have an appreciation for that i would absolutely agree with that and i think part of it is it just tastes better and part of it is if i'm going to go to a restaurant i want to get something that i can't make myself like if if somebody's selling me frozen products I can go to the grocery store and I can buy those same frozen products and I can, I can make maybe not that exact same thing I'd get in a restaurant, but I can get 70, 80% of the way there maybe. But if somebody's like scratch making biscuits or making their own burger blends or, you know, making donut dough, I can't do that. I will never be able to do that. And that's something that if I'm going to a restaurant or I'm going to a donut shop and I want something special, that's the type of product that, I'm going to gravitate towards. And I think, too, lifestyle-wise, if you compare our lifestyles from 30 years ago, we're all busy. We're all plugged in. We've got things filling our life and our brain and our to-do list, and we're like this. So if we're actually going to pay money for a product, it is going to be special. You know, that's our hard-earned money, and we're busy. 
So we do want something, just like you said, we want something that we're not going to get at home. We deserve it. Mm -hmm. That's how we think. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of, I think that's very valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that I don't think I really realized about Square Donut until I was preparing for this podcast is just how many custom orders you guys do. So you mentioned you've got a, a display case with hundreds of donuts, all like all kinds of varieties. But then as I'm going back through your Instagram, I mean, there are all kinds of orders. There's engagement ring donuts. There's donuts with families' dogs' faces on them. You did one the other day, I think it was for a dentist, where there was uh, like hundreds of like hand-cut teeth donuts with a product, especially like using that tooth one as an example, like that is a very unique shape and design, one that, you know, you're not used to having. Can you kind of pull back the curtain and kind of talk about just when you get those custom orders, what is the the process of doing that? Because obviously every day you have to make, I don't, I don't hundreds of just your normal product. Right. But then when you get a custom order, like what does that do to the production process and, and how do you fulfill those? I'm really glad you asked that because it, it, it that really spins into customer education and pricing. Um, not only are we scratch, everything is literally hand cut, except for the traditional squares. We have a rolling pin for that. Everything else is by hand, one at a time, which, you know, with any business background, people know that's going to affect the price. So I lead with that saying our donuts aren't the cheapest donuts, but there's a reason for that. Our bakers are back there, real human beings back there working 12 hour shifts punching these out by hand, one by one, putting them on a proofing sheet by hand. Um, so production for those, it's it's rough. Uh, when we get those numbers, we, we love the challenge. But it definitely takes, you know, your each dough batch, traditional batch of dough takes three hours from start to finish. So you're mixing it in the bowl, and from the time it comes out of the fryer and it's decorated, that's three hours. So looking at our normal dough capacity for the day and then turning on an order like that with the teeth. We just have to work it in to that line. Um, we, we just have to, we, we'll spin the first cut of the regular donuts and then we hand cut the teeth donuts. And we just commit. We commit. How, how can we make this a little quicker, more efficient? Um, do we sheet faster? Do we just cut faster? Is there a way to shorten the process? It's rough. I mean, it's very, very challenging, but it's so rewarding. And even the bakers know that. They're, they're part of that. And when they see the end result with the customer, there's a lot of pride in saying, I, my hands touched every single one of those donuts. And our decorators, every donut was hand-touched and um, gloved, of course. But yes. um, there's a lot of pride in that. You know, it's, it's, it feels good feels good. Is there a particularly memorable custom order that comes to the front of your mind? I would say, well, first of all, the engagement rings was very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> when the customer requested, can we, can we get some wedding rings? Um, I thought, okay. And she goes, but what I want them big. And I thought, okay, you know, there's no, there's no cutout for that. Um, you have to cut the dough out by hand. And with them being intertwined, how do you make that work in a fryer? You know, you can spray the dough and stick it together and proof it all you want, but the minute that goes in the fryer, is it going to fall apart? So there were a few practice runs with that. Um, That one, and then the lady who wanted just the regular rings, donuts, just wedding rings, a whole dozen of them, you know, and bringing that down to scale a little bit more and putting the diamond on there, that was fun. That was mm-hmm. really cool. And then in the decorating stage, how do we make that diamond look like a diamond? How do we really, you know, when the light shines on that, how does it look like a diamond? That was fun. Yeah, that's I like am- that. That's amazing. Yeah. Getting back to the product itself, I, I I enjoy donuts, but I'm not usually a huge donut person because I feel like they kind of, they do one of two things to me. Either they're really heavy and they just kind of like slow me down and want, make me want to take a nap, or they're just like, they zap you with sugar, and I can't concentrate on anything for more than, like, three seconds. 
I feel like Square Donut hits that sweet spot, though, where it de- it's definitely sweet. Your sweet tooth is satisfied, but it's not like punching you in the face of sugar. And we already talked about how they're light and airy, so you don't have to worry about the the whole nap uh, portion. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I found a quote from you in a, I think it was in Dine Magazine, but you said your donuts aren't sugar coat aren't sugar coma donuts yes how did you and part of this was i'm sure from the recipe originally but how did you kind of find that sweet spot where you it's definitely sweet but it's not over the top well when i bought the technique and the recipes i eliminated all of the recipes but the glaze so all of the new icings everything but the traditional glazed donut all of that's been recreated um, and knowing that I can't handle sugar, I, if I take a bite of something and it's too sugary, I, my mouth literally goes numb. People laugh at me, but I can't talk. It just makes my eyes twitch. So I know my product can't be that. I can't, I can't even taste test that. I'd spit it out. So whatever I did had to kind of be through my eyes. It had to be the sweetness level that I liked. And talking about that anxiety and stuff, you know, People like their sweets. Am I not going to be sweet enough for them? You know, there's, there's, you know, some pressure in that. But I had to swing. And I don't like over-sugary donuts. They just, it covers up the real donut. And yeah, my donut base is so product. good. I just wanted to enhance it. I didn't want to cover it up. I just wanted to enhance it and not kill a person with, oh, you know, I've had enough sugar for a month now. Um, because I want them to come back. I want that to be a special treat. It would be like taking like a, just a beautiful like Wagyu burger patty and then just spraying like a whole bottle of ketchup on yes. it where you can't even taste the burger anymore. Great it defeats analogy. the purpose. Yes. So just, just enough to, you know, if it's chocolate, you know, is that chocolate flavor profile good enough to where you can still taste the actual donut? And I think I've hit my mark on most of them. I mean, obviously, some creations are going to be a little more sugary, a little less sugary. But I think for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful people have appreciated my sweetness level. So, yeah. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity here to kind of talk about the realities of the business because I think, you know, most of what we've talked about today has been extremely positive and all the great things about owning a business and how fun it is, you know, to make donuts and stuff. And I think especially with Square Donut, it's just such a a warm, friendly place. You walk in there and you just get good vibes. But there's a a reality and a lot of hard work to this. And you actually had a really, um, a very honest Facebook post recently where you were talking about the 100-hour weeks and being so tired that your legs could barely even get you up the stairs to to get into bed. Uh, Can you just kind of help us understand some of the realities of the job and that when we bite into that donut, like there's a lot of work that's gone into that. Yeah. There's a lot of work and throw in a couple of emergency room visits and, you know, and that's not for sympathy. That's, I'm glad you touched on that because so many people come to me, Dan, and they, and they have over the years, even before I've had square donut, you know, they come to me with their business ideas and Elizabeth, is this a good idea? And how do we do this? And, you know, the first question I ask him is, are you ready to give up your life? Because that's a lot of work. Having a business is a lot of work. And if you're not, if you just want to wear it as a badge, like, hey, I own this, you're in it for the wrong reasons and you will fail. If you're ready to commit to doing the best that you can in whatever it is you're doing, that's a good start. But do you have the grit and tenacity to stick with it? Um, it's probably one of the most challenging, this is the most challenging business I've ever had. And that says a lot for me because I have a lot of grit and tenacity and I don't quit. Um, it's hard. There's, I'll be honest with you, Dan, there's, there's really not a day or a week that's gone by where I haven't wanted to quit. Um, you'd start to question your health, you know, when your health is taking a hit, is this worth it? Is this worth my health? Is this worth not seeing my kids? Is this worth missing the, the weddings, the funerals, the showers, the just the weekends, you know, is it miss going out to dinner? Is it all worth that? Um, yes and no. It's, it's worth it to me because I know it has an end game. 
I know it's not always going to be this hard. The first, you know, first five years in any new startup is going to be extremely difficult. But once you find your footing, you get your core team, you get standard operating procedures in place, you you get that rhythm going, it, it eases up so that you can have some sort of normalcy in that. But in the beginning, the fight that it takes to, you know, somebody calls in sick, you're in there. You have to know every facet of that business from adding the ingredients to the bowl, decorating, customer service, boxing, phone calls, back end, payroll, books, taxes, how many donuts do we make today? What about the product issues? You know, there's 18 different hats I'm wearing, and um, I have personally gotten to the point where I've wanted to just quit. I, I thought this isn't worth it. I'm working too hard. I'll consider this a win because I created something that was successful. And, you know, you get in those dark moments. You're exhausted. Um, and then one day... I'll go out front, exhaust. I come off a triple shift, and I'm out front with a customer. And this is very emotional to me because a parent will come in, and they will look me square in the eye, Dan, right at that cash register, and they will stop and make sure they have my attention. And they will say, Elizabeth, we want to thank you for having, for example, vegan donuts. My five-year-old son has never had a donut until you opened crush your heart right there tears coming out of your eyes everybody's in line looking at you everybody's looking at you and you're like this is what life is all about this is why i'm here this is wonderful and you have somebody else come in and his wife has to have gluten-free and she's been through the a myriad of gluten-free donuts and she's like they're all awful i want yours um right there that right there when they say thank you and you know you've affected their life, and you're in their schedule, that's huge. That keeps me going. But it makes me work harder to get to a more normal schedule faster. So giving up a little control with the staff, empowering them more, you know, dishing off those some of those responsibilities, I'm really learning how to kind of turn over the reins in certain areas because I'm not superwoman. And that's, that's hard to give up when you're a perfectionist. But being a perfectionist is not always good. No, so. it's not. It has its advantages. Yes. Yeah. But when you have those special moments that kind of pull you back from the brink, it, is that something that you think is, like, particularly unique to the restaurant industry? Like, you're someone who you've mentioned. You've had your hand in other businesses before. Do you find that feeling in other industries, or is that something that's very unique to Square Donut and what you've experienced there? Well, in my experiences, I mean, it is special to Square Donut as far as a dietary restriction because it affects their health. In one of my former businesses, um, you know, we had a lot of customer loyalty and love, um, and it's hard to talk about it without referencing it, but when I had my pumpkin patch at my farm, um, People were so grateful that they had a pumpkin patch to go to that was authentically a working farm, for example. Um, It wasn't super commercialized. It wasn't, you know, $100. They could come, and for a few bucks, they could get the same things at a pumpkin patch. They can get all the basics. But they were walking around and experiencing the life that I had on a daily basis when I fed the chickens and broke the ice on the water tank for the cattle and um, went and took care of the pigs and the, and the ponies. And when you're having a bad day, you can go pet a pony. And it, that's real. That was part of our life and my children's lives. So opening my farm up to thousands of people to experience that, and they would come up to me and just say, you've just, you've just made our whole day. Thank you for opening up your home to us so that we can experience a piece of life that we don't get to see every day. So in my businesses, I, I, I try and touch people's lives no matter what the format is. But that's because it's more than the business. It's this. It's you and me. It's life. It's how do we lift each other up without judging. You know, we don't want to judge people. We don't know where they've been. We don't know their story. Um, and it's, it's just crucial that we show some compassion and empathy 
we don't have to always agree with them. You know, I've had some crazy customers. I don't agree with them, but what's my job? My job is to, you know, for the five seconds that they're looking at me, can I make them smile? When they come through the door, do they, for five minutes, do they feel good at Square Donut? Boom, job done. That's mm-hmm. my mission. Mm-hmm. If it comes out through my businesses, great. But that's my mission. Now, part of making those people happy, you just mentioned, is having the ability to wear like 18 different hats at once. So you can jump in at any point during the process if you need to and still deliver a product that you're proud of and that is going to delight someone. So as you're starting Square Donut, how do you teach yourself to wear all those different hats and learn those different skills? Um, You know, fortunately for me, I've been grinding since I was 11 years old. So it wasn't necessarily a new um, area for me. Multitasking and learning all these different things about business in general has always kind of been in me for some reason. It's somewhere in my DNA. Um, So I I certainly didn't find that intimidating at all. It was how do I manage all that? And then being mature enough to say, okay, I need to pass some of this off. That was an evolution for me. I I had the knowledge still learning. I mean, I'm, we're always learning. Um, applying it for lo- jokingly killing myself, <laughs> my health suffering, and then saying, okay, I have to pass the buck. Um, so now I need to empower other people. How do I lessen my to-do list? You know, how do I lessen those hats? I'm really good in these areas and that's why I open this business and that's what I want to do. So now I'm shifting and I'm going to get to that point. Hopefully by the end of this year, where I'm focusing on the marketing and the things that I want to do, and my staff is carrying them, you know, me and all their roles, and the team is really coming together. That is a very common refrain that we hear on the show, in that there comes a point where, like, chefs, restaurant owners, donut shop owners, whatever it might be, they're very proud of what they've built and the product and they want to touch it. Like they, they want to create, they want, if they could, they would make every diner's plate and they would love to (laughs) just be able to do that. It's impossible. They can't do it. Especially as a business grows, you have to learn to entrust other people to take your ideas and execute them. Even with the understanding that, you know, when a, I don't even know, you know, when a 20 year old donut maker makes a donut, no one is going to, if it's a bad donut, no one's going to eat that donut and say, oh, well, Joey screwed that donut up. They're going to say square donut. And if they know you, Elizabeth, they screwed that donut up. Yep. So, I mean, it, it just, it takes so, it takes such a maturation to be able to hand off that responsibility as opposed to just taking care of everything yourself how were you able to kind of embrace that and say, you know what, I do trust my people. I can train them to do what I believe will produce a quality product. That's, you know, I have a great example of my current head baker now, very young, very green, but he's got more passion in his little pinky than most people have in their whole body. The ability to see through somebody and see what their gifts and talents are making a decision, this is going to take me months to train him, months. Do I want to take this on, or do I want an experienced baker in here who's doing it his way? Nope, no thank you. I'll take the green, passionate young person all day long for an opportunity to not only mold them in this particular product, in this technique, but I want to mold them as a leader. I want to empower them that when they walk away from me, if they ever walk away from me, they've, they know the difference between a boss and a leader. And just shouting commands and, you know, throwing tantrums in the kitchen, which I'm not exempt from, uh, <laughs> by the way. But what can I give them? They need pride. They need to know that what their hands are doing means something to me and it means something to the customer. And how are they going to apply that to themselves? So if they leave me, I want them to remember how I made them feel and what I've taught them. And I'm going to take a chance on them. And so my head baker, it's, it's been a, a long nine months of training. But he's finally turning that page. He 
He's starting to command his position a little bit more. He's starting to, you know, lift his head up and, and look at the other positions in the kitchen and walk over there and correct. And that's big for a young man who's, you know, doesn't know anything about the donut world. Um, that's big. That's growth. And if I can keep him, great. If I lose him, I'll cry. But it's a perpetual investment, and it's critical. So, I wish that this were a visual, like, this wasn't just an audio podcast so people could see, like, just the way that your eyes lit up when you were talking about him was very endearing. I mean, what what does it mean for you personally to be able to see that growth in him and, and to go from day one to now where he's like a leader? Clearly, you know, it's it's an emotional thing, right? Very, very. And, and, and it, you'll speak to a, if you, you know, if you, if you are in a room full of entrepreneurs and business people, I am probably the one that, I, don't get me wrong, I, I want to make money. I'm here to make money. I'm here to make a profit. I'm here to do big, big things that where money is the vehicle to, to get to that point. But I'm also the one that at the end of the day, if I helped 10 people and I maybe necessarily didn't reach my personal goal, I'd be okay with that. Um, because I know, again, it's, it's just it's bigger than all of us. Um, but And I forgot the question you asked me. But I, I go off on those tangents, but... Um, I just, I don't know, Dan. I just, I believe in people. And because nobody believed in me, I had to fight and scratch my way my whole life. And it's exhausting. And, and you, you fight and then you, you, you question your own intelligence. You question your own abilities. You question your ideas. And I've just come from a life where people have always thought I'm a little off, I'm a little quirky. Oh, she's dreaming, but that's not reality. Well, I have something to prove. And one way or the other, I'm going to prove it, whether it's through helping people or having a successful business. And not only something to prove to them, but I have to prove it to myself. And, and that's my energy. Well, you have proven it. As anyone who's tasted a square donut can attest to, as anyone who's tried to come in at like 10 or 10.30 and found out you guys are sold out, which is not your fault because you're not making enough. I want to be very clear. People right. just, they need to be understanding about that. Like we talked about, it takes three hours to make the donuts so Mm -hmm. you can't just it's not mcdonald's you can't just (laughs) reheat a patty in the fryer or whatever um clearly you know whatever you're doing it's working it's fantastic i would encourage anyone listening to this go try square donuts even if you're not getting something like get especially one like the donut of the month uh the creme creme brulee donut if that ever comes back my (laughs) goodness just give me a dozen of those but even if you're just getting the original just the glaze like there is something special about this product and i'm someone admittedly i'm not a big donut person i will very rarely even if someone brings them to the office and just has free donuts i very rarely will take one same square donut (laughs) is an exception for me i'm i'm getting in on that so Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. This was this is a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.